can't explain it, but I just, I felt this feeling of I'm finally home. I've finally found a place where I belong. And I, I never felt like I belonged anyway. I was completely um, oblivious to anything. It was very clear that this was my first big time set where my director turned to me and said, all right, Mike, that was a good take. Um, I'm gonna need you to speak to the DOP about your framing. I'm like, you got it, boss. I turned to uh, Steven and I said, what's a DOP? <laughs> He's like, director <laughs> photography. I'm like, cool, got it, great. <laughs> um, Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Kaylin. Hey, Kaylin. What's up? Nothing much, man. Just out here on your podcast. Our podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, you bring up a good point. Our podcast, which is Department Spotlight. It's the show where we speak to our friends and colleagues about their experience in the film industry. Today, we'll be talking to Michael Lawrence Potter. He has been in three of Luke Pictures' short films and he's also in a feature film that came out this year called Triggered that is now available on Box Office. So this is part two of the conversation with Michael Lawrence Potter. If you haven't heard part one, then you can click on the link and come back to this one after you've heard that one. Well, my name is Michael Lawrence Potter. I'm an actor and producer, but if you ask me what I do, I mostly uh, sit around watching YouTube acting snarky. And every now and again, I act and I write and do some lawyer stuff. Okay, so jumping into part two now of the podcast, uh, I'd just like to ask, like going into your journey and your background, like moving into law, uh, I mean, like going into acting and moving into law and then coming back into acting, like what was that journey? What was the steps taken? What was the motivations? What was the thought processes? Oh, man, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of coincidence and a lot of serendipity and without sounding too cheesy, a lot of finally being honest with myself and following my true aspiration. So I have been writing stories and acting since I was maybe about three years old. And it was never something that I thought about doing as a career. It was just something I did for fun. You know, I would sit in front of, um, I would sit in front of the TV, the Batman animated series being a personal favorite. And I would just draw and write comic books and stories. And it's something that I continued doing until I was 28 years old. And, um, you know, and then I would, I'd be the, I'd be the cousin who would put every, every family has this cousin who like puts on like the Christmas plays or like, you know, if, if you were coming over to my house to play like cops and robbers or like power Rangers or whatever, you were getting like a full three arc story. <laughs> I was, act, I was acting out like one of my, one of my first, um, one of my first bouts of method acting happening happened when I was five years old when I was pretending to be like, I'd watch this documentary on, on samurais and samurais, like their whole thing is that they, they slept out in nature for two days to get in touch with, uh, with their spirit and their sword. So your boy went out there with a plastic sword, didn't tell my parents, went out on the lawn, sat there with my plastic sword, shivered and got a cold, but you know, still the power was strong with the samurai, but you know, you get, you get into high school and then it all becomes, you know, it all became like, you have to pick your subjects. So I picked all the things that would get me a career. So it was business studies, it was science and acting just never was a priority anymore. And then I got to varsity. I was doing the law school thing and um, a director approached me for an indie film and said, Hey, listen, we, we need someone to play a jerk. 
which apparently is what every director now says to me. Sure thing. And, yeah, <laughs> apparently so. Um, and I basically just did a bunch of uh, indie indie movies and a whole bunch of music videos in which a lot of the time I'd be standing, say like one or two lines, be a jerk and leave. But getting onto the set, I, I can't explain it other than I finally realized where I was supposed to be my entire life. I just saw the manic energy of everyone running around, scripts being ripped up and thrown in the air, people yelling at each other one moment and then hugging and like kissing each other the next moment and saying they were sorry. The cheers like that came with a rap, um, the energy that I felt in researching my character and researching my, um, you know, doing work for my, for my acting. I just, I can't explain it, but I just, I felt this feeling of I'm finally home. I've finally found a place where I belong. And I, I never felt like I belonged anywhere. And I got to this manic circus of acting and I just said, yeah, this will do for me. Thank you. I'll take this. I'll take this for the rest of my life. And from there it was, um, I just did every free moment that I had, I devoted to it in the sense of that when I was doing my articles, uh, it was, long hours, six to six, but I would get off work. I would change out of my suit. I'd get into my leather jacket and I would go and hit the stand-up circuit for Monday to Friday, just uh, doing stand-up at clubs. And then on Saturday to Sunday, I was very lucky to get into the Indigo View Acting Academy, which was kind of a seasoning finishing school for experienced actors. Um, I had no acting experience, so I, I didn't audition for it. And Stephen Feinstein, who is one of my acting inspirations and one of my favorite teachers, told me in no uncertain terms how wooden and horrible my audition was. <laughs> and But said, yeah, but we can do something with you. Come board. And then on the weekends, I would spend from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Saturday and Sunday doing intense acting um, classes with these incredibly gifted and driven actors and it was just this idea of I didn't have a second to spare and it was the happiest time of my life it was working long hours and then after that doing stand-up then after that doing acting school and then when I wasn't doing that I was online researching acting techniques watching documentaries and it was just that again that feeling I was chasing of I'm home I'm complete I'm here and then one night I got my big break when I was uh, acting on the Joburg Theatre in a, in a play called Scenes and someone who became my agent and a very good friend of mine caught me and said to me, yeah, oh, you know, you, you could try this acting thing. And I said, listen, man, if I don't land a job in, in like a month, I have to go to Korea because that was my plan. I was, was going to go to Korea and I was going to go teach English because I didn't have anything going for me uh, back in SA. And with a month, my best friend, Stephen John Ward, saw me out of complete obscurity and uh, offered me the audition for Triggered uh, with his lines that always, a line always killed me that said, uh, you're a little bit crazy. Can you do a Brooklyn accent? I was like, I can try. Uh, I sent in about, <laughs> I, I, I sent in two, a two-take self-tape, which was two whittled down from maybe about a thousand self-tapes. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I did it, uh, I did it over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I did it to the point where I was literally photosynthesizing those words. And um, 
I didn't hear anything for a month. So I just assumed I didn't get it. And then I remember it so clearly. It was actually this time two years ago. I got a call from Los Angeles and they were like, yeah, congratulations. You know, you're in. And from there, it's just been this incredible um, journey of triggered, um, offbeat, independent films, producing my own work. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with it. I'm in my first year of my career and I could not be more besotted, more in love and more devoted to what I'm doing. And I'm looped pictures. I've often said it. Uh, there is no Michael Lawrence part of the actor without looped pictures. You guys took a chance on me when I needed it. And the chances haven't stopped coming since then. And I'm so appreciative of the rewarding work that I get to do with you guys. The Lord, the, the warmth that you feel when you're on that set of just so many people hundred percent devoted to their craft. And that's how you find me as I am now uh, from strange kid running around in his, uh, in his garden with a fake cape to two man running around in his garden with a cape. Who are we kidding? Like I'm still, I'm still, <laughs> I'm, still I'm still that kid. And it's, yeah. it's good to, it's good to reintroduce, reintroduce myself to myself, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. really beautiful. First of all, I don't know what five-year-olds watching the samurai documentary is like. <laughs> so intense that you watch the full samurai documentary. <laughs> but that just, I think, shows the kind of character that uh, that you're born to be in. That I mean, method acting at five, uh, he'd let you be proud, man, honestly. Um, <laughs> but just to touch on, like you spoke of your journey from music video to short films to features and stuff like that and play. Can I just then ask, because um, uh, I, I was wanting to touch on this, is uh, your preparation does it differ between like music videos to short forms to plays to to features like or is it just about the duration of time i guess or do you take them all equally as serious i i think that storytelling is storytelling it's um mm. it's literally the the idea that there is a character that is being asked to be played and it's a human being that you have to give dignity to so whether I am, whether my character's name is Jerk in Leather Jacket or has a name and has a purpose in the story, I owe it to that character to set my ego aside and give that character what it needs. Like, I mean, I could easily say, oh, what? I've got two lines in this or I just stand around in this music video. Oh, I'm not going to prep for it. No way. It's, first of all, I have so much fun doing the prep like i look forward to it like whenever i get a script it's and it's also the idea of like man you know you just you don't know what's going to come out of you in the sense of that you know if you just lose yourself to the character entirely you know you could go on to a music video where you are in it for 10 seconds but if you play those 10 seconds well you could have something amazing for your showreel amazing for uh future directors or investors or whatever i mean i've gotten jobs based on very random appearances where it's like oh no i saw you in like the corner of Kakul's music video do you want to do another music video i'm like yeah sure you know i mean it always makes me laugh a uh, big sip one of the the first film that i was lucky enough to do with looped my entire character is creep who drinks milkshake <laughs> <laughs> and that like and someone someone saw that and said, we think you can play an endearing love interest. And I mean, you just... Amazing. And I mean, I, I did... I, and the thing is, like, I didn't play, jo like, Jaunty in Big Sip 
to be a creep who drinks a milkshake. I played him as a fully formed person who, who like Jaunty doesn't know he's a creep. And Jaunty certainly doesn't think he's a creep. He thinks he's cool as ice and he's taking a girl out for a milkshake. You know, it, it, it never occurs to him that, wow, this is not how you talk to people ever. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I think, I think the only way that I can do it is if I lose myself in my role. You know, I, I, I can't really... I can't really dip a toe. We'll go for a leisurely swim. I've got to jump into the deep end, almost drown, and then find my way to the surface. That's the only way that I can I can do this. Perhaps let's let's go onto triggered. Um, mm. What was the? I think we have we've got other questions that sort of fit under that. But sort of mm. basically, to start out with, what, what was your what was the experience like uh, working on that film? It is to date the greatest thing that ever happened to me. There's no, like no ifs, ands or buts about it. Every single cast member on that movie is a long time firm friend of mine. We formed these beautiful friendships and creative collaborative partnerships. Um, and it was again, this, that experience of the first set that I ever w- walked onto for that uh, indie music video of just coming home, except everything, the stakes were so much higher. Like there was, Instead of there being a, you know, the food is at the Borovor stand across the street. There was like craft services and there were these massive lights and there were people with American accents and English accents and, you know, um, South African accents running around. And it was just, it was just this idea of once again, I'm home. You know, Alistair Orr is such an, an amazing director. He really knows how to get the most out of his talent by making you want it. You know, he, he, he's like a Jedi. He makes you, he makes you want what he wants. And it's, and, and it's amazing to see um, Ari is such an incredible producer. Nothing ran over time, despite the fact that both, both of the, the, like every single day we got rained out by the torrential January rain pool. And he just rolled with the punches. He was just like, yep, no, we're going to the next thing. No, we're going to the next thing. And the performers, just everyone just pulled their weight. There wasn't a, false beat in it like everyone was working so hard everyone got along like a house on fire it was every single set that i go on to as much as i love the work triggered is always what i compare it to i always go are the actors working as hard um as as they were on triggered and when when i can see they're not something that i took out of uh liesel Aller's book uh who is one of my very good friends and someone that i regard as a inspiration she kind of took me under her wing and showed me the ropes when I definitely needed to be shown. Uh, Soraya Rose Santos is another one. They were like my my set moms. And because I was like, <laughs> I was completely um, oblivious to anything. It was very clear that this was my first big time set where my director turned to me and said, all right, Mike, that was a good take. Um, I'm gonna need you to speak to the DOP about your framing. I'm like, you got it, boss. I turned to uh, Steven and I said, what's a DOP? <laughs> He's like, photography. I'm like, cool, got it. great. <laughs> um, and it was just, it was just the, it was just the most incredible experience of learning, nurturing. And uh, I would have to, you know, I'd have to go for like a 10 K run after getting back from these long arduous night shoots because I was so pumped up full of adrenaline. Like I could have gone forever is how I felt. Um, yeah. Triggered as, Triggered is one of one of the greatest experiences of my entire life, and it's pretty much blessed my fortunes ever since uh, with either friendship, connections, and memories ever since. 
It's funny you mentioned um, Alistair Hazel because I was going to ask you about your experience with him. Um, mm. But then, just in terms of also like leaning into your screenplay side, like your screenwriting side, what notes can you say you took you took from like the characters and like being on set, like in your personal life, what notes and like beats and like um, learning experiences can you say you took that you want to apply to like your screenplays and your scripts and stuff and like just in terms of how you develop a story in general? Oh man. Um, well, first of all, I, I have to give a shout out to uh, Dave Jones who wrote the uh, screenplay for Triggered. And I, I've never read a script that had such incredible dialogue. Like if you, when you watch the movie, it's just one liner after one liner after one liner after one liner. And the characters he created are so multifaceted and so nuanced and none of them were really likable, but you liked them. And that's something that I really liked about yeah. it. Um, and I think it's because he told it in such an honest way where he took a look. I mean, he's a Gen Xer and he was writing for a bunch of millennials and he could have been like anyone else and just like written an overview of, oh, avocado on toast and like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> avocado on toast and Twitch and polygamy and whatever you, like, whatever you millennials are known for. The but, triad of millennials. Yeah. That sounds like avocado so good. Toast, like... Polygamy. <laughs> I, I, always, I, always, I always find it hilarious that that's what people think millennials are. We're ready. It's like exis <laughs> ex ex existential dread, like like existential dread student loans and yeah avocado on toast but i mean that's just it sounds like story. literally the episode names for like some dope series just about like how to <laughs> precisely but um the reason why the characters were so good is because he wasn't afraid to be honest he wasn't afraid to take a look at the people that he saw in the real world and said i'm just going to transplant you right here and like the character i played bobby Oh man, I love him so much. Um, he's a, he's such a sweetheart, so kind. I'm kidding. He's a complete sociopath. <laughs> and, and he 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 came at a time in my life where I really needed him. Um, right before triggered, I had just been broken up with pretty horrifically. I was um, you know I was depressed. I was overweight, and I was just like not in a good place. And then this character gave me this opportunity that Bobby did not give a single solitary F. He didn't care. And that's, he, he wanted something and he was going to kill anybody who got in the way of that. And there was something about that ruthlessness and that complete foolhardiness of, I can do anything and may God have mercy on your soul if you try and stop me. And the fact that he was so preening and arrogant and he thought that the world revolved around him and i was like i kind of need this right now yeah. and um and it was just such an invaluable experience because if, even in my everyday life as i live right now when i'm starting to feel my confidence kind of wane i hear bobby's voice in the back of my head telling me to come on bro like man up come on bro come on dude Let's go. You know, I, I, I stop myself at being a conniving manipulator, but in the beginning, you know, the, 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 the motivation is enough to teach me. So to answer your question, I would say the tips that I got from David and still get from David, he's a very good mentor to me is don't be afraid of honesty. Don't be afraid of being unlikable and do not be afraid of saying what's on your mind. I think the best thing that triggered taught me was very little 
was left out of that script. And you can't say that for a lot of scripts in the sense of that a lot of the time it's you create these big ambitious scripts and you know, you start to edit yourself and say, oh, well, that would never work. Or why would I say that? Or that's too honest. Before you know it, you drain it of that authenticity. Whereas David taught me this thing where he says, write the exact script you want and let the producers tell you, you can't do it. (laughs) You know, don't limit yourself. Do it as honestly as you want. And, you know, the world is going to take your perfect little script away from you, whether you like it or not. You might as well get it as good as you can on the paper. Um, And also, like, don't be so precious. It's not about you. Um, I heard a quote the other day from Seth Rogen that I love, which is, a script is not a finished work. It's a collaboration for other artists to work Mm. with you. You know, it's literally just you saying, I've got this idea, what do you guys think? And that changed everything for me because now I'm not trying to write Citizen Kane. I'm trying to write something cool that me and my friends can have fun on, make some money on, and play real authentic characters on like yeah i think that's the best answer that i can give it's a pretty good answer as well it's a really good answer (laughs) (laughs) okay so i also just want to i want to just touch like briefly just on the experience but then also bringing on that experience of the, the legal side um, but just in terms of like, because uh, you've had like experience on both sides of the playing field, but um, from what you saw, like, is there any big differences in terms of contracts or like treatment to actors on like big budget American sets versus like smaller South African indie sets? Is there any big differences in terms of treatment or contracts that you can, uh, that mm. you can uh, speak to? You know what? The, I have always been treated very well on every set that I've ever been on. And I'm not just saying that to be diplomatic. I think I've just been very lucky. I've been very lucky. And um, the South African industry takes care of their, their industry. And that's something that I really appreciate. It's something that you don't get as many horror stories if you, that you would expect. You know, I think that we're all there to do a job. We're all there to serve a, a purpose. And no one's trying to screw the other person because I mean, our industry is so small. If you screw someone over, you know, especially if you're like a working actor, like that's all you do. If you screw someone over on Siavandalan, you're going to see them again on Binalan. You know, like it's, it's a small, it's a small industry. You're going to bump into each other. But I would say the best, the best thing that I see as a problem is that the negotiation of what actors and, um, cast and crew especially crew especially stunt workers my word stunt workers do not get enough credit and they do not get Mm. enough protection why the hell isn't there an oscar category for them i'll never know but that's rant for another day but i would say that there isn't enough bargaining power or representation for actors there isn't enough of a a safe net for them you know Mm. there isn't enough of a community and I find that contracts are often reflective of that, where South Africans are, one of the greatest things about us is that our work ethic is that, set me on fire, sure, let's go, let's make this movie, which, which, is, a one, which is admirable, but you have to protect your interest. And I feel that South Africans often don't dare challenge contracts. They don't dare challenge uh, the rates that are being offered. They don't dare challenge what is on the table instead they want to be diplomatic they want to make everyone happy so they just sign on the dotted lines whereas americans everything is negotiable everything is like i remember the first initial offer i got for um 
throw an American movie. And I was like, oh, sounds great. Let's go. My agent was like, no, that's not how it's <laughs> like, no. Oh, 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 my sweet lamb. You sit down. <laughs> and, you know, and to his eternal credit, he negotiated a way higher uh, rate than I ever thought that I was entitled to. And it's that crazy thing of like, I think a lot of South African contracts are created in this idea that no one's going to question it. It's created mm-hmm. an idea that no one's going to demand more. And, you know, 90% of the time, it's because studios are just trying to get by. I mean, you guys are a young studio. You know how tough it is to run this job. Yeah. You, you're not trying to screw anybody over. You're just trying to get a movie done. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, but the thing is that every now and again, you have people who are trying to buck the system. And to them, I say, karma's coming for you. <laughs> especially, especially, if you've got, especially if you've got a lot of very savvy actors and actors who know lawyers. So yeah. I would say bargaining power and, and yeah. the... Uh, the ability to ask for more is definitely the big differences I see between American and South African contracts. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because uh, I've also noticed that, but not like just uh, only in acting, like in every industry, like every department in South Africa, a lot of people will just be like, accept what they get, like they'll have, mm. uh, like even DOPs that are to the level of a lot of Hollywood uh, DOPs, but because of the lack of like of work and stuff in South Africa, I've noticed quality DOPs get paid like, three percent like 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 three quarters of what they should get paid and stuff like that so and it's funny as you mentioned that even with uh, you're talking about the stunt people as well from my experience as well I've, I've noticed South Africa has one of the best stunt crews and one of like 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 they just know what they're doing and it just seems like so like like mm-hmm. top standard and all that and I agree with you fully that this should be uh, a Oscar category for, for stunt people as well like honestly it's it's insane. You know, yeah. yeah, no, they they really are the unsung heroes of our um, of our industry, especially when you watch something big budget like the Avengers or you know any any sort of any sort of movie where I mean I had, um, I did a short film last year with my good friend Cameron Scott, and it was the first fight scene and stunt scene that I'd ever done before, and a Cameron is like an absolute veteran, like he knows exactly what he's doing stunt wise, and he showed me how to do things like back bumps and backflip, like backflips onto the floor and that sort of stuff, worked punches and that sort of stuff. I woke up and I could barely move my legs. <laughs> it is painful work and it is hard work. And you do hundreds of takes of, you know, there's a big, I think that every job has its, um, has its elements of like, you know, acting can be hard, writing can be hard, directing can be hard and stunt work can be hard, but the thing is, is that they need to get more credit. And I'm going to say it right out here for any, for any stunt workers out there. I appreciate you. I love you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. We'll probably end off with what, uh, what are you currently working on? Or is there any uh, future big projects you would like to discuss? Caitlin no, said, basically, plug your own work. Yeah, oh, this absolutely. is basically that part of Hot Ones where you say, what's going on in your life? <laughs> Well, first of all, you can find me on all social media platforms at What's Potting. That's W-H-A-T-S-P-O-T-T-I-N-G. Otherwise, just type in Michael Lawrence Potter into Google. You'll find me. Uh, in terms of the work that I'm currently doing, the first thing I'll say is Triggered finally releases in South Africa, 10th of January. That's this Sunday, depending on when this comes out. So 10th of January on the DSTV box office. So go check that out. I'd really appreciate it if you could uh, go check it out and let me know what you think. Um, otherwise in terms of work that I'm currently doing, I never want to be that guy who 
says, oh, I'm working on this and I'm working on this and working on that because show business is one of those things that sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. So instead, mm-hmm. what I'll say is this, I am working on a lot. I am writing on a lot and we actually are filming quite a lot, but I like to keep the elements of surprise. So check on my socials. Work will be coming out in the next six months, I think. Otherwise, I'm, I'm just trying to be a person in a very strange and uh, a very strange and unprecedented time. So to, to end off on an inspirational note, wow, pressure, right? And I think that that is, the, <laughs> that is the basis of my inspirational note. Don't put so much pressure on yourself, really. The only, the only person that you need to fulfill is you. And the best way that you can do that is by taking away the expectations of others and most importantly, taking out the expectations of yourself. That there is, you don't need to be the next Timothy Chalamet. You don't need to be the next Christian Bale. You don't need to be the next um, Meryl Streep. You just need to be the next you. And you do that by getting out of your own way, being exactly who you are and just having fun because guys, this is the most fun job in the world whether you are a writer a director an actor a group i don't care if you're in the crazy carnival of creativity you have got a calling that is going to give you a life of fun adventure and friendship so get out of your own way get out of your own head and just go out there and do something that makes you happy because i guarantee if it makes you happy it's going to make someone else happy Awesome. I think that's a beautiful way to wrap things up. I mean, especially with uh, you mentioning just go out and be the best you, because if you try to be someone else, you'll fail. But if you bring your authenticity to it, like you said, of the David Jones script and all that, bring your authenticity and truth to it. And I think that will honestly just uh, to make make you stick out a bit more. And uh, just for all the viewers and the listeners out there, uh, a link to all of your social medias, to uh, Michael's uh, social medias, everything will be linked in the description below. And yeah, thank you so much, man. Like, share, and subscribe. Like, share, (laughs) and subscribe, Loops. They are are my favorite, favorite YouTube channel that doesn't have anything to do with chicken wings, hot ones. But uh, if you guys, if you guys are not following yet and you're not uh, liked and you're not sharing this to every person you know, stop that. Do that now. They're brilliant, talented filmmakers and they will make your day every single day if you follow them because you guys churn out that content. And I, I have to say in terms of work ethic and in terms of quality of content, you guys are second to none. And I really appreciate being on your show. Thanks so much, man. I'm going to go cry in the corner now. And uh, thank <laughs> you so much, man. That was uh, brilliant. Go thank do you it. so much, man. Uh, the shout Thanks, out really, really, really meant a lot. Thank you so much. And one last, one last word to any creatives out there who you have an idea, but you maybe don't have a connection or you don't know how to kind of go forward, DM me. It's not every, uh, you know, I, I, usually, I usually read and I usually reply. If there's a way that I can help you in this crazy world, I'd be happy to do it. Like in this industry, it's a family We have to look out for one another and all you have to do is ask. So if there's any way I can help you, DM me. I'd love to help. And that's it. Part two of our conversation with Michael Lawrence Potter. If you enjoyed it, then maybe you'll enjoy all the videos that we have over on youtube.com slash loop pictures. We have over a hundred videos on films and filmmaking and all that good stuff. So until next time, go out there, stay safe. And make your movie. movie.